0: As Brad said, we're uh, looking at, uh, we're starting a brand new series actually uh, today, we're just going to start looking at some stories. Um, The Bible is just chock full of stories, and they're they're people's lives that God was involved in, and we learn so much about God, and we learn about uh, each other, about human nature, about people, when we just look at the stories that are in Scripture. And what's really cool is many times when you're reading these stories, you'll start to see your own in them. because right in this room right here, every single one of you, God's writing a story. And you're in the middle of it right now. You've got some history, you're able to look back and see, but you have a whole lot of future that's going to be taking place in your life. And I just, we're, what we're hoping in these next, this whole month of July is that we will be reminded that God is the author of our stories And if we let him write the stories of our life, man, things can be really, really, really cool. And as we call it here at K2, the adventure with God. And uh, so basically, every person's story is an adventure. And we just want to help you, help us to discover what that might be. And today, being the 4th of July, we are looking at kind of freedom a little bit and the pursuit of happiness. Um, I looked up the definition of happiness. And it's a state of pleasure, contentment satisfaction, and joy. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, I mean, to have those things in your life, pleasure, contentment, satisfaction, and joy. And uh, so uh, let's just think about that for a second. What are some things that you pursue that you think are going to bring happiness into your life, bring some of this contentment, satisfaction, pleasure, and joy? What are some things you guys pursue? Eating! I was, I was, you know what, I had that right at the top of my list, and I just didn't, I thought you guys might be spiritual or something and, and not tell the truth, and I mean, but, but here's what's so fun is, but isn't it like good food, right? I mean, there's like bad food that doesn't bring happiness, but then there's like really good food that brings happiness. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being, you know, right from the gut. Okay, what else? What's that? Vacation, okay, like some rest. I mean, that definitely brings happiness, a chance to get away. And recreation, let's just put that in there. I mean, recreation is one of the things we pursue because it just brings joy and satisfaction. What else? Success. Very good. We pursue success, man, because that feels good to win, doesn't it? I mean, that feels good to know that you've accomplished something, that you've reached a goal. You can stand on top of the mountain. You know, it's awesome. I was with Christian uh, yesterday. He, He made me get up really early and watch Germany play Argentina in the World Cup. Any soccer fans out there? Yeah. yeah, like four or five, that's what I thought. Um, no, but I, I mean, I never, I, I'm not a soccer guy either, I'm a football guy, but it was so fun. I, I walk over to his house, he has the German flag, you know, hanging off his uh, deal. His brother had sent you know, everyone in their family except Sandrine, but all the guys all well, had, you know, uh, German jerseys on, and, but it was so fun to watch these guys smoke Argentina for nothing and just succeed. I mean, and, and that's just the joy and the contentment and the satisfaction. Okay, what else? What's that? Family. Relationships. We pursue that. I mean, we, we really, that's something that brings us great happiness, is, is, we, is relationship, and we're made for that. What else? Sleeping in. Sleeping in. Excellent. Absolutely. What else? Friends, Friends and people. Yep. Relationships. Music. Music. Very cool. Absolutely. All right, let's see what else I got down here. Um, Entertainment, good relationship, sex, producing. Producing something. That's kind of like the success thing. But even that, like just being productive, whether it's music or art or even a product or a service. Did I say sex? That must have been a Freudian slip right there. You guys want to change the topic? I'm all up over that. You guys know Brad over here makes fun of me all the time because in the service of, you know, a while ago, I just, sex is awesome. And I agree. And we pursue it, don't we? Some of us a little more than others. Absolutely. Let's just get that out of the way. Awesome. I'm going to write that down my list here. I don't think Susie's here today, is she? All right. Awesome. You know, the other thing, the only other, one I, the only other one I think I had on my list were just uh, were good looks. There's a, a real pursuit physically uh, to make ourselves look a certain way uh, that just brings us happy when we, and contentment satisfied when we feel like we can look in the mirror. All right, so, and this is the American right, isn't it? I mean, as, as Brad read, we're all free, we we're all created equal, so we can actually pursue happiness, I mean that's that's what I, so this day that and I am and I am so grateful if I really stop and think, I was just watching a Little House on the Prairie yesterday with my with my kids and uh, and they had this uh, deal on where there was a Russian guy you know who who got his land taken away by the government and everybody was angry and down you know playing the government and then the guy at the end stands up and he goes are you guys kidding me he goes this is the greatest country in all the world <laughs> you know because we're free to pursue happiness. In fact, I don't know if you can actually pursue happiness if you're not free. I'm not sure if you could even do that. So, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 says this, I know that there's nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. So, Think about this for a second. Um, if, if God wanted to give you a gift, if he came to you and he said, I would love to give you one thing. One thing. I'll give it to you. What would you ask him for? Think about happiness. <laughs> Think about it just for a second. What would you ask him for? God says, I'll give you one thing. That, I could see that you could see yourself what? Cool. That I could see myself the way that he sees me. What else? Anybody? Wisdom? Eternal life? life. Peace? Peace. Good. A couple pieces. Anybody else? The Lions to win the Super Bowl? (laughs) Dear God. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so here's kind of funny, because actually I have a joke that kind of goes along with that. Some of you guys have maybe heard this, but uh, there, there's a story of, of this guy who was uh, walking the beach, and all of a sudden he found this little genie bottle, and the genie popped out. And the genie says, you release me from this lamp, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this is the fourth time this month and I'm getting a little sick of all these wishes, so you can forget about three, you only get one. So the man sat and he thought about it for a while, and he said, well, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. He goes, but I'm really scared to fly. Now, I get very seasick. Could you build me a bridge to Hawaii so I can drive over there to visit? And, and the genie laughed and he said, That's impossible. I mean, think of the logistics of that. How would you support the supports ever reach the bottom of the Pacific? Think of how much concrete, how much steel. You're going to have to come up with another wish. The man agreed. He tried to think of a really, really good wish. And finally, he said, My wife always says that I don't care and that I'm insensitive. So I wish that I could understand women. I want to know how they feel inside. And what they're thinking when they give me the silent treatment. I want to figure out why they're crying. Know what they really want when they say nothing. And know how to make them truly happy. And the genie paused for a while and he said, How many lanes do you want on that bridge? <laughs> 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 oh, I love that. I, you guys have heard that. I just, every time I hear that joke, that's, that's like, uh, I think that's like uh, asking God for the Lions to win the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> there was a time in, in history where God came to a man, and he said, you know what? You get one wish, and I'll give you anything you want. And the guy's name was Solomon, and he was one of the kings of Israel. Solomon was the son of David. Um, If you know David, David and Goliath, David, David, the great king, David, the one who the lineage of Christ follows through. Well, Solomon was his son, and he actually, when David died, Solomon was really young. He He was a young kid actually, but other people were trying to sneak onto the throne, and so David, when he heard that, he said, no, I want Solomon, Solomon, my son, to really be on the throne, and so he moved quickly and got him placed in there, and during this time, right off the bat, God goes ahead and he says, uh, ask for whatever you want me to give you. <laughs> that's just, isn't that cool? Can you, I mean, seriously, for God to come to you and say, ask whatever you want for me to give you. Let me, uh, I'm going to read to you in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, Solomon's response. Starts in verse 6. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. And you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Pretty amazing. I, I, you know, I actually when I read that I go, how young was this guy? Because that's a, that's a pretty noble answer there. When God comes up to you and says, Hey, I'll give you whatever you want. Ask me for whatever it is. But then, then, listen to God's answer to him, starting in verse 10. He says, The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And so God said to him, Since you've asked for this, and, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart. So that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I'll give you a long life. And this is it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I, this, this whole interaction between Solomon and God is, is really, it's, I, I love it. And part of what I love is God just saying, you know what, one of the things we need to remember about our God is he loves to give. God loves to give. If you love anybody, if you really love them, what you find in your heart is a desire to give. You want to just bless them. And God wants to bless us and he wants to bless Solomon. And so when Solomon comes back with a good answer, God actually gives him three things. There's three things that he received from God. He received wisdom far beyond anybody else. He received wealth. And this is what's cool. He goes, "And since you asked for that, I'm not only going to give you what you asked for. I'm also going to make you like really rich. I'm going to bless you with with wealth." And the third thing, and I'm going to just so I can keep with the W's, we'll go with the uh, W is the word of the day today, uh, letter of the day, you Sesame Street fans. And um, we'll go with winning. Because that was this whole idea of being successful. There's kind of a, a one of the other things we love is to have prestige. And, and God looks at Solomon, he says, man, I'm going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you wealth, and you're going to be like nobody else. You're going to be at the top of your game. I mean, think about whatever field you're in right now. Think about what you're interested in. Maybe it's even or one of your hobbies. To know that you're the absolute best. To know that everybody looks to you because you're greater than everybody else. I mean, that's, that's what God was saying. And when I think about this, you guys, this is so much the heart of every human being. We are all seeking for the same type of, type of stuff too. And our culture says that this is what we need. The pursuit of happiness is, man, if you had the freedom, because this is freedom, Right? to go after everything, if you could get all the wealth and all the wisdom and all the winning, all the prestige, all the stuff we talked about, I mean, that would be incredible. That would be freedom. Would that be life? And so when you look at Solomon, it's like, man, he was the man. I mean, he had it all. And as the king, and I know we don't have kings, so it's a little hard to understand this, but as the king, he had the freedom to go after it. Hello? Hello? Um, that's my ring. I didn't know if that was uh, Susie so she's calling me home. But uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, but here's the deal in this country, we're free to pursue happiness. You guys, we aren't even close to the freedom that Solomon had. The freedom he had to pursue happiness, contentment, and satisfaction, and pleasure, and joy, it was all right at his fingertips. Now, Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote this book, Ecclesiastes, to help us to understand what it was like to be a guy who could pursue happiness to the nth degree and be completely to free to go for it. And I'm going to read, starting in chapter 1 with verse 16. Chapter 1 of verse 16. He goes, I thought to myself... Look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge, and then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. And then I learned this, that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Really, really interesting. So in other words, Solomon's just going, you know what, I I pursued the wisdom thing. (laughs) I went after it. And and you guys, again, if you know anything about God, does he ask us to pursue wisdom? Anybody? Okay. I mean, have you read Proverbs? (laughs) If you read Proverbs, it's a whole book of wisdom. And in the beginning of the book, it says you should search after it like nothing else. So there's nothing wrong. It's actually good to really to to have wisdom And yet, what Solomon realized is he went after, and I'm gonna try not to give everything away here right off the bat, but Solomon pursued this wisdom to try to figure out because he pursued madness, he pursued folly, because he wanted to figure out what is this life really all about and how can I live it to its fullest. Now, some of you in here, that might be your pursuit for happiness. Some people, like my wife, loves philosophy you know and maybe some of you pursue philosophy because if you feel like if you can understand the deep kind of mysteries of the human being and how we work and all that kind of stuff then it'll have wisdom and knowledge and you'll know how to make really good decisions and how to do things with your life and you'll experience happiness and solomon had that ability way more than any of us ever will and the intellectual pursuit left him to a place where he said it's meaningless to just have that ability to figure out life, okay? Then he goes on in chapter two. He goes, I thought in my heart, come now, and I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? Now, this is crazy. Is, because is laughter awesome? I mean, I just, I love laughter. In fact, we know that if you laugh, It actually does good to your physical body. Laughter really is the best medicine. It's amazing what laughter can do. But his whole point here is if you just go after pleasure, what does it accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. Anybody else out here done that? Okay. Okay. Only one person raised your hand. The rest of you laugh because you're like, I can't raise my hand. All right. We do this. We embrace folly. My mind's still guiding me with wisdom. So in other words, even when he was getting drunk, and he was doing things that were folly, in other words, that were foolin- foolishness. He knew that these things were not in line with God, but he was checking them out because he said, I still had my wisdom. In other words, I was still trying to figure out, are these things going to make me happy? Are these things going to satisfy me? Are these things the ones that are going to fulfill me and actually let me know that I'm living life to the full? And then he goes on, and he says, "I and this is, my, this is the greatest phrase, I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I love that. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Isn't that us? I- I'm serious, you guys. Every human being, I say, I've said this so many times at K2 in the last six years, because it's true. All you and I do every day, is make decisions. That's all you do. You just make decisions over and over and over and over and over again. And if you stop and think about it, every time you make a decision, you're making it because you believe at the core somehow that it's going to be the thing that ultimately is going to be good. Good. That ultimately will bring some satisfaction into your life. Even if you know that decision will bring you some pain, you know that that pain eventually will bring something that's good. It's how we're wired. We want that right there. We want to figure out what is worthwhile for me to do in my few days that I've got down here. And so we pursue it and thank God we live in America because now we can pursue everything. We can pursue sex like crazy, and we can pursue making lots of money, and we can pursue having success and prestige. You can pursue anything you want here to see if that'll actually bring you satisfaction and joy. And so Solomon goes on, and he says this in verse 4. He goes, so, since I could do this freely, he goes, I undertook great projects. Any of you ever done that? It's projects. Because then, then I'll produce something. And doesn't producing something make you feel good inside? It, it does. I, I, and it does. I'm not saying it shouldn't. I love it when we produce something, we take on a great project. He goes, so I built houses for myself and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I, uh, let me just stop right there. In the, in, in, you guys, so basically Solomon here is just going, you know what? Let's see if stuff does it. Let's see if having lots of things and everything that I want in my life, because he had it. You guys, this is crazy how much wealth he had. The weight, there's another verse in in, in the scriptures that says, the weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly, yearly, every year, he received 25 tons of gold. And then it said, not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the land. So basically, Solomon said, dude, if you've gone after it, and if you've tried stuff, I've had way more than you. Okay? So he went down the wealth path. And then he goes on in verse, uh, let's see, verse 8, which I just read. He amassed silver and gold for himself, treasures of kings and provinces. And then he says, I acquired men and women singers. And, and I was just sitting there. And so basically, I think he was just saying, hey, because uh, entertainment, how many of you love entertainment? I mean, I, I just, I mean, entertainment, I, I, I love it. I love to be entertained. It, it's, it brings joy and satisfaction. It really does. So Solomon could have it, so he's like, Singers, dancers, he just brought them up. And then I love his next line, which we've had fun with already. He says, I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well. Dot, the delights of the hearts of men. In other words, this dude thought, you know what else? We, we said relationships, but for Solomon, it was women. He goes, you know what? This is the delight of a man. Men, do we love women? How do you, how do you girls feel? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> women, do you love men? Okay. Wow. Well, see, I thought that was going to be just the opposite. I'd be, I I thought this morning I was going to say, men, you love women. Yeah. And women, do you love men. Uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but okay. So here's the point. Sam was like, you know what? He he knew sex was good too. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I love that word concubine. But he had th- he had a thousand women that he could have sexual relationships with. This guy was like, can you guys imagine? A thousand women. This was ridiculous. But this guy was just saying, you know what? The delights of man's sex is good. I'm going to pursue that because that's going to bring me happiness. So he had all of that. And then we go on in verse 9, and he says, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, and all my wisdom stayed with me. So you want to talk about winning? He was the greatest by far. I mean, mean, there's a place where where the queen of Sheba comes to to Solomon and says, you know what, I'd heard about your incredible wisdom and the the amazing stuff that you're doing with your country. And she goes, and I came because I had to check it out for myself. And she goes, and it's far beyond what I even heard. She was like, you're the man. You are far beyond anybody and everybody else. So you guys, in your pursuit, and I don't know what it is that you're pursuing to find your contentment, to find your satisfaction, to find your pleasure, to find your joy. But I can tell you this right now, how you're spending your time, how you're spending your energy, how you're spending your finances, how you're spending all of that, it's revealing to you what you think is going to make you satisfied and full and complete. I believe God put that desire within us and we go after it. And maybe some of you've got it. Just like Solomon. I had all the relationship I could handle. I had all the stuff I could handle. I had all the success I could handle. I had it all. And then in verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work and this was the reward for my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. And nothing was gained under the sun. Now, when I when I read that, I, I just I always think about this. I think some people would read that and go, That's hogwash, man. I've got stuff and it works. You know, I am at the top of my game, and it actually is really nice. I've got this relationship. In other words, here's the point. The accumulation of the things that you and I can pursue because we live in America to make us happy do work. They can work for a while. But we also know the stories of people who have everything And on their deathbed, they realized the same thing that Solomon said. They had nothing. And so, what happened? How in the world did Solomon come to a place where he was free to pursue happiness and attained all of it, and then after he gets all of it, he looks at it and he goes, man, this is meaningless. It's like a wind. It's a chasing after wind. It's not satisfying my soul. (laughs) It's not filling my heart and giving me what happiness, the actual definition of happiness, really is. So what happened with Solomon? You guys, here's what happened. Um, is his focus shifted. His focus shifted. See, because you've got to remember this thing. This whole idea of wisdom and wealth and being great and winning, who gave him those things? Who gave him those? God did. I, I, I just think that's so interesting that the gifts that Solomon had were actually from God, but then his focus shifted from God to the gift. And what he did is he started to pursue all these things. Man, look at this. I can have all these things and I can have all the success and I can have all these people and I can have all these women. He goes, and so what he did is he went after those things to see if, is this what man should be pursuing in his few days under life? Because he could and he did And what he found out was when his shift and when his focus shifted from God to the gifts of God and the good things in this life, they didn't satisfy anymore. And so, and also the other thing that happened we're going to look at here is his shift, his focus shifted from God to himself. Let me just give you a couple examples. So one of the things that David wanted to do, King David, is he wanted to build the temple for God. He wanted, and, and how many, again, I, th- I ask this all the time, but anybody been to Jerusalem? Okay, two of you? All right, we need to take a trip to Jerusalem. And, uh, but you go there and you stand at this temple. And David wanted to build the temple for God, but because he had so much bloodshed on his hands, God just wouldn't let him do it. So Solomon is the one who got to do it. I mean, he, you build this temple, it's unbelievable. I, I share this, one stone, like, I, it was like, if I reach the top, one stone is that high, and it's about twice as long as this room. This, this, this thing was magnificent. It took him seven years, excuse me, it took him seven years to build this temple, and it was 60 by 20 by 30 in cubits, okay? It just doesn't matter, 60 by 20 by 30. Seven years to build it. And then, right after it describes the temple, it says, but it took Solomon 12 years, however, to build his palace. Isn't that interesting? Seven years to build a temple for God. 12 years to build the temple for himself. And the temple was 60 by 20 by 30. The palace was 100 by 50 by 30. I just, and I love the word. I actually shared this back in January, that little word, however. Can I just just check your heart here for a second? Because some of you are followers of Christ in here, all of us who are followers of Christ in here. Maybe you're busy kind of. With your temple for God, your worship for God. But how much does God get versus how much do you get? When you really worship, if you, what do you really worship? Do you find that your heart is actually way more devoted to yourself than it really honestly is devoted to God? And this was one of the first signals for Solomon. Yep, he built the temple for God. He dedicated it. It was an amazing service, unbelievable and then he said, okay, now let's get to work in my palace. And it was the beginning of showing how Solomon's heart was shifted from God to his own gifts, to pursuing blessing God, to pursuing his own self. And as soon as we do that, we start on a slippery slope. The other thing that happened was all this women issue. 1 Kings 11, one through 3. In chapter 10, it talks about how Solomon's... Again, he's before God and he's got wisdom and he's blessing the temple, and all this kind of stuff. And then verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1 starts with this. King Solomon, however, there's the word again, however, he loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. And they were from nations which, with which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. You guys have that up there? And look at this, because they will surely turn your heart after their gods. So God made it really clear don't do this. Love me with all your heart, right? And he says, so don't intermarry because these people who live in these other things, they worship these other gods. They worship gods where they would take their own children and sacrifice them to the gods, to try to appease them. They worship gods where the whole idea to find blessing within your culture was to go ahead and have sexual orgies in these temples where there would be temple prostitutes, completely the opposite of God's ways. And and these women that Solomon married worshipped those gods. And so he just said, Solomon, just do this, man. Don't intermarry with these people. And then he says, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. And nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. And as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. So, this is where the story of Solomon is our story. Now, we might not be as free as Solomon was and have all the resources at, his, at our disposal as he had, but he was free to pursue happiness. And you know what he did? Instead of keeping God at the center of his pursuit, he started to pursue the other things that were not of God. And in the United States of America, you and I are free to pursue happiness in any way you want. And every single day, we are lured to pursue other things more than God. And if we're all honest, I mean, seriously, if we were dead honest, we'd have to look in the mirror and say, guilty as charged. It is hard to not go after other things more than God. And again, things that can even be good in and of themselves let me ask you this. Is it good to be at the top of your game? To be the absolute best in your field? How many of you would say that's a good thing? Okay, every single one of you should raise your hands. You should be the oh, you should be incredible at what you do. You you should be the best. You should just you should go for it. You should maybe climb your corporate ladder. I don't know. But I can tell you this, when we work well and when we work hard and when we use the skills and the wisdom that God has given us and we go out into the workplace and people look at us and they go, you rock, you're amazing. See, people should see followers of Christ like that. If we're receiving that from God, the question is, then if you gain that status, what do you do with it? Now is it all of a sudden for you? See, it's so tempting to get the status and say, now... I can start to bring my own self-pleasure. Now I can lord it over others. And see, no, if God ever elevates you to a place of status and position and prestige, if he ever makes you great, it's always so that you can lower yourself and be like Christ and love people. But we have to be careful with that. The same thing with money. Is money evil? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's not. It is a root of all evil. It's not the root of evil. In fact, I'm telling you guys, you know this, money in the hands of a generous person, which we've been teaching this year, if a person is generous with what God gives them, then what happens? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, blessing, good stuff. And I'm not talking for you. God is looking for people to pour blessing financially in, whose hands are actually open so he can take care of the needs of the world, so that he can do the work that he wants to do. Money isn't bad. Money can be awesome. It's just a matter of what you do with it. And see, so what happened was Solomon's heart took the blessings from God and then he totally shifted and his heart went after other things. In your pursuit of happiness, in your pursuit of happiness, because all of us are pursuing happiness, are you pursuing other things over God? Are you pursuing these things for yourself instead of for God? Because every blessing he gives you, submitted to God, will bring blessing to other people. It will bring absolute freedom and satisfaction to your own soul. And it will honor God. He loves to give. And then what we get, we give. So... What are you pursuing? See, because you really, what you do, you guys, is you either take what you have in your pursuit and you submit it to God or you submit it to yourself. And most of the time, our own nature just lives for us. And then our heart starts to fall away. So he forgot about his heart and he forgot about his soul. And so what do we do with this? Because you guys, I want to tell you, our hearts were made for God. In fact, the Bible in the Old Testament says that our souls thirst for God. Can I tell you this, though? Our flesh doesn't. Our, our nature does not thirst for God. Our nature thirsts for pleasure, for satisfaction, and simple earthly, worldly things that can bring that on bring it on. But your soul thirsts for God. So, to be free, what is it to really actually be free? What do we call it? The declaration of what? The declaration of independence. What does independence mean? I'm free to do whatever I want to do. And you know what the Bible says? That's not freedom. Because many times what you want to do actually drives you into bondage. And the next thing you know, you're living a life that you don't even want to live. And you're not free anymore. And and I'll tell you what. Independence, you guys, will do one thing. I can tell you this. What independence does is it makes you focus on yourself. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. What is the greatest thing in all the world? What's the greatest thing according to Scripture? Come on, you guys. If some of you are followers of Christ, you read your Bible. What's the greatest thing in all of the world? Love. Okay, right? He says, the greatest thing is love. So what is love? That means you're never thinking about yourself. See, do you see where this is? A, this, the pursuit of happiness and to be independent says, I can do whatever I want to do. And then you know what? Are you free to love? <laughs> it's just, all of a sudden, you've fed yourself so much that there's no freedom. Real freedom is when you're free from yourself. I mean, come on, enter into a marriage and be free from yourself. Where all you can want to do is give to the other person the other person wants to give to you. I'm telling you, be in any relationship and be free from yourself. The world would be amazing if all of us were free to not think about ourselves, but to think about the people around us. And so Jesus Christ comes in and he says, you know what? If you hold to my teachings, then you're truly my disciple. He goes, and then you'll know the truth, and it will set you free. If you hold to my teachings, then you're really my disciples. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We just did this series through 2 Corinthians. It says that Jesus Christ died for all so that those who live should what? No longer live for themselves, but for him. You guys, what Christ did when he came into this planet was to say, I've come to set you free. From this bondage of slavery to sin, which is always living for yourself, which is getting caught up in things which eventually war against your soul, divides your relationships, and cause problems. I've come to set you free from that, to set you free from your own sin, to fill you with my spirit, because the spirit of God is always love, and it's always about giving himself away. Jesus was more free than anybody in the world, and he wants to make you and me like that. I mean, that's, it. so you guys, it's not the declaration of independence with God. It's the declaration of, in, of dependence. The declaration of dependence. I am coming to God, and I'm going to trust Him and seek Him with all of my heart. So you guys, you know what? <laughs> we, we said this all the time we started K2. It's not about you. <laughs> when we had a launch team, I mean, everybody knew that. How many of you were on our launch team when we started? You guys remember Jim and Heather? I mean, nod yet. And, and Brenda, I mean, we, just, we just said, you guys, it's not about you. We had 100 people who started this church who were sacrificing themselves all the time. And it was unbelievable to be around a group of people when it wasn't about you. Because then you're free to give yourself away and to love. You got, you know, and let me just, uh, one last thing here, which is so crazy to me about this story. Here's Solomon. And God made him the greatest man more wise than any other king, more wealth than anybody else had, more wives, more everything, and and I and this was wild. I never had noticed this before, so I open up. There's two accounts of his story, and I open them up and I look at him and I go, "Man, I want to. How did his life end?" And you know what's hilarious? You get to it, and it says, "All of a sudden, he goes. It, well, I don't have it down here, but it just ends. It, it, it just. Well, let me actually just because this is so crazy to me, in First Kings 11." Solomon's life just actually starts to fall apart. God just says, you know what? Okay, if you want to go ahead and worship other gods, I'm going to go ahead and let you. And it says God brought adversaries into his life. Things started to crumble. And then at the end of 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 chapter um, 11, verse 40, it says Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, the guy who was trying to take him over, but Jeroboam fled to Egypt to Shishak the king and stayed there until Solomon's death. And then it goes... And as for the other events in Solomon's reign, all he did and the wisdom he displayed, are they written in the book of the Annuals of Solomon? Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over Israel for 40 years, and then he rested with his fathers, and he was buried in the city of David, his father. In other words, God's writing a story. And he goes, Solomon, I'm going to give you everything. And then all of a sudden, Solomon's story just ends. There's no legacy. He didn't leave anything. Uh, There is a legacy. If you keep reading, you know what happened? Israel divided in the 10 lost tribes of Israel. They took off, and civil war started to take place. And so I just sit there, and I go, in your pursuit of happiness, what are you really pursuing? And is it actually going to satisfy your soul and bring you contentment and bring you joy? And God is saying, I can do that for you. Be careful of the other pursuits. Now, before we enter into some worship tonight, or this morning, um, we do have a story of one of our own here at K2. And that's what we're going to do all month long. We're just going to not only share stories from the Bible, we're going to share stories of our own. And uh, Michael White, um, his wife Varag, is our communications director. And uh, we, Mike's got a great story. And so we put it on video, and we want to give you a chance to watch it here. Let's watch it together.
1: my dad was an army officer and so I grew up in a military family and we moved around a lot pretty much every year we went to church every Sunday we went to Sunday school we read the Christmas story once a year and that's pretty much it we were cultural Christians I guess I answered an altar call one Sunday uh, when I was 13 I read the Bible the next year, the whole thing, five chapters a night. And I you know, kind of kept going to church and I just kind of went on through high school and then went off to went off to college. I didn't actively stop thinking about God or you know, was I just didn't have time for it anymore? There's always something else you know some other distraction to pursue or some other some other short-term goal worldly earthly you know goal to try to you know that you had to pour all of your time and effort into and there just really wasn't any time for God. I got out of college after I mean four years altogether and uh, I did well and then I went to medical school and that was four years and then after that I went and you know into a residency the whole profession wasn't a very good match for me but you know I it seemed like it was gonna be lucrative so that was good enough um, you know who cares whether you hate it or not as long as you know as long as it as long as you make a lot of money I mean that's really the only thing that counts right if money and things during the 90s could have could make you happy then I should have been the happiest guy in town I mean, you know, I had I had you know, I had a lot of stuff. I I and it just and the more stuff I accumulated, the more miserable I got. Um and so, I mean, I finally kind of made the connection, you know, this is really not working this money thing um is not working so much. So, it's got to be the job. So, I'll get rid of that and and maybe the location. So, I get rid of that, those two things, go somewhere else try to pursue what, you know, what I'd always kind of considered as my dream and then everything will be okay. So I moved to New York and uh, got involved in film and drama, acting, screenwriting, directing and I gave it seven years. It didn't really work out so I decided to open my own business. I spent uh, about a year planning and you know and constructing a basically a boutique medical practice that I that I was gonna that I was gonna open in New York. The initial biz- business model is based on hotel occupancy and um, kind of providing Urgent care service to hotel you know to out of town guests so that they don't have to go to the emergency room so I opened this I open this business one day at about a quarter till eight in the morning. My parents are there i you know i'm like the the, the, the place is built out. I've got all the stuff I, you know I've, I've I've invested like every cent that I have. Um, in savings and what have you in this thing. Fifteen minutes later, I get a call from my sister. She says, uh, uh, Mike, a plane just flew into Building 2 of the World Trade Center. I just felt like I'd been hit in the stomach with a baseball bat. Not because, I mean, you know, the hotel occupancy goes from 100% to 10% overnight just everybody's gone. So the business is on its way to failing. And then I find out that my mother has pancreatic cancer. So so you got 9-11, the business failing, now my mother has terminal cancer, and then the business fails, and bankruptcy, and now I'm leaving New York to go and care for my dying mother. And I just... I mean, I just completely—I had a breakdown, basically. I mean, I was practically catatonic. I couldn't leave. I, you know, was depression, I guess. Uh, but I couldn't do anything. Somehow, in there, I managed to meet my wife and get married. So we moved here, and to be to be near family. We lived with my uncle, um, my aunt and uncle, for like a year after we moved here, um, and this is still when I was basically not just not functional so I'm not looking to go to church but my wife wants to go to church and she wants me to come with her I agree to go to church with her and this so we come to K2 Red Box in January of 2009 and you know we kept coming back I remember I came and this is after I don't know it was probably so after a couple of months, this is in like March, I think, of last year, I remember just saying, not out loud, I mean, in enduring in, worship or something, that, you know, I just, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. I just can't, I can't go on like this. Jesus, can you just, you know, can you do it for me? And yes, he could, actually. After 30 years of trying absolutely, I mean literally everything, almost everything that you could think of in the way of worldly pursuits or different spiritual so-called pursuits. I mean, I tried everything and none of it worked except this one thing is the only thing that works in my experience. It's not enough to have everything Materially, that doesn't do anything for you on the inside, which is the part that you you know doesn't do anything for your soul or your spirit. Which is ultimately what you know what people are, are what, at least for me, what I looking for is a spiritual meaning and a spiritual purpose, um, which you can't get that in the physical world. It turns out that I had it right when I was 13. Jesus. He's the purpose. It was, it was Jesus all along.
0: It's a great story. <clears throat> um, Mike was sharing his story with us when we were doing some, <clears throat> one of our classes, one of our base camps, and he just said that when he first got here, there were some friends that really enveloped he and Varag into their life and their home and actually are the ones who kind of got him to come to K2 in the first place. And, <clears throat> and about a year later, they got together uh, to have some lunch and, uh, and the people just looked at him and just said, dude, you're a completely different person. <laughs> you're completely different. And I just sitting here, you guys, like, what, do, what do we do in this pursuit of happiness? What do we do? Well, here, here's the deal. I think what we do, you guys, is, is we need to realize that what we were created for, um, we are really created with purpose to run a race, as the scriptures tell us, and to go after it and to live full and complete lives that God has for us. But we have to make sure that the other pursuits, the other things we can give, in all honesty, the other things that we can worship, that when it comes time to what we devote ourselves to, We devote ourselves to our work. We devote ourselves to different pleasures. We devote ourselves to all these different things and then God kind of gets a sprinkling. But that's not running the race that you were marked out for. And I just think if Jesus was standing here today, he would just look at every one of you and say, listen, I did create you for pleasure. I am your pleasure. I am. Now I have no problem giving you really good food to eat. I have no problem with you recreating and having fun. I created that for you to enjoy. I have no problem with you being the best at whatever you do. In fact, I would love for you to be that. But don't worship those things. Don't pursue those things more than you pursue me. Because, as Mike found out, everything but Jesus can leave you. A person can leave you. Your health can leave you. Your job can leave you. Your position can leave you. Everything else but Him. So pursue Him with all your heart. And maybe what you need to do today is you just need to sit there and do some work with God. And that's where we're going to give you a chance during this worship time. Band, if you guys want to come up, um, is we just want to give ourselves the opportunity now to just come before God and to say, Lord, what am I really living for? Are you like the center, as we're going to sing, of my existence? Am I like Saul or Solomon, who started off with a great heart for God and wanting to do things for him, and I've totally switched over, I'm actually pursuing other things more than you? Today, right now, is your chance to say, you know what, I actually want to be free. I want to be free from all that other stuff. And I want to be free to pursue you, God. And I'm just going to ask you guys, while we worship right now, to just do that. This first song, it just says, take my heart. I lay it down. See, because remember, the issue was his heart. Not the things he was, it was his heart. His soul. So take my heart. I lay it down at the feet of you who's crowned. And take my life, I'm letting go. I lift it up to you who's throned. And right here, right now, you can decide if you're going to really pursue freedom, if you're really going to pursue happiness, because God does want to give it to you. So let me just pray for us, and then we're going to enter into worship together. God, I just want to say thank you to you, because you are the one who satisfies our soul. That it is a life that's surrendered to you, that holds to your teachings, Jesus, holds to them that really actually finds out what truth is and then becomes free. And Lord, I just want to pray for every heart in this room right now that's not free. For every heart that somehow is bound up in things that are not submitted to you, that are taking us on paths, dangerous paths like Solomon was on. And I just would ask God, I just want to ask, would you just pour your grace into this worship moment here right now? And meet us as we sing to you. Meet us. And help us to see what it is that we need to surrender to you here now, right now, so that we can be free. Really free to love you and really free to love each other. Meet us now in Jesus' name.